Um, right, I always get people to just introduce themselves. Go on, t tell everyone oh. who you are. Mark Selby, Chair and CEO of Canada Nickel. Right, Canada Nickel, or is it folks? Because um, carbon credit seems to be featuring quite highly with you at the moment. Yeah, no, we're doing a lot of work right now. I mean, one of the great features of this deposit is the fact that 92% of, of what we mine are minerals that when they're exposed to air spontaneously absorb CO2. So our tailings and waste rock uh, will continue to absorb CO2 from the atmosphere long after the nickel mine's gone. We're figuring out how to optimize that. So I'm hoping that maybe we'll end up as a carbon credit mine with a nickel byproduct at some point. So cute. Yeah. Uh, how, so you're trying to optimize it. I'm trying to value it. I mean, how, how do you work out what it's worth? Well, I mean, I think right now, uh, if you look at where we are versus our nickel peers, we're getting zero um, for the fact that um, we have this great carbon capture potential. Uh, right. You know, we put up together uh, right now, we've got a, a land package. Uh, you know, one of our main resource in our main zone at Crawford, it's a billion tons about, you know, on about a kilometer of you know, footprint. Uh, we've, we've pulled together 42 square kilometers of footprint. So G give me some dollar numbers. 40 yeah, times to... a billion but... times the carbon capture capacity of it. You know, if we can get, um, you know, five or 10 kilos per ton of, of tailings, that ends up to, you know, a pretty big number. So, but we'll get, okay, give, 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 the, give these guys a clue as to how the carbon credits market works. I mean, right. what, 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 who, who's buying this stuff? So, uh, you know, today, you know, the European Union has basically sort of set a whole legislative agenda moving forward here. Uh, the next milestone is that in specific industries, uh, traders, importers, consumers will have to start tracking the carbon content of certain products for certain, you know, product codes. Um, and they have to do that for about a year or two years. And after a certain point, the government's going to implement carbon taxes, just like, just like, uh, HST here in Canada, or VAT in, in most countries, there'll be a VAT equivalent for carbon. So you'll have to keep track of the carbon moving through it, and they'll, they'll continue to ratchet up that price to try and squeeze carbon uh, out of their economies. For, so for someone who hopefully will be you know, net long carbon credits, um, you know, it's, it's massive valuation potential going forward. I'm, try, I'm trying to get a dollar number here. I know it's difficult <laughs> for you to say, but say, say uh, Finland, Finland Nickel Corporation mm -hmm. was doing something similar to you. G give, give me a sense of like a billion of anything sounds quite good, unless it's right. dead. But, um, <laughs> but give me an idea of what's that, what's that could be worth to Finland uh, Nickel Corp. Well, there's there's two parts to it, which are which is which is interesting. So Macquarie at their LME Week presentation last fall, I would encourage anyone who's serious about looking at, at carbon. Uh, they did a pretty good job of trying to understand. Okay when these caps come in place, if you look at the carbon curve of, of the different metals, what kind of premium could you expect um, for those products if you happen to be a low carbon alternative in those markets? So for that number in nickel, it was $1,000 a ton. You know, our PEA that we put out uh, last year, which will be considerably larger with the feasibility study coming at the end of the year, we're gonna produce PEA 900,000 tons. If we get a $1,000 credit for all of those, uh, you know, so that is a big number. That's a big number. So that's just part of the number. That's just being having a product um, that is zero carbon. We believe we're going to be in a position, you know, where we'll have, you know, an extra perhaps, I don't know, five kilos or 10 kilos of CO2 captured per ton of tailings. Um, you know, we'll have a few billion tons at the main project. And again, if you speculated that that whole 40 billion tons comes into view, you know, 40 billion times 10 is 400 
uh, billion kilos, which is 400 million tons of carbon credits. And right now, the price in Europe, the price in Europe at one point, you know, was $100. Canada is going to be implementing carbon taxes uh, by the end of this decade. I think they kick in at $170 Canadian. But, so we, it's important so, that we understand where this market's going. Yeah. Really important right now. So it, is the 1000 bucks sustainable? Is this a growing market or is it a fad like you know, some people are accusing ESG of being? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think there's a lot of greenwashing. There's a lot of phony credits. You know, I think that the, the faster we can get into, you know, stronger standards that are well adopted in terms of how things are going to be counted um, and have those implemented, you know, then the veracity of those credits is, is going to be very important. Again, for our, for our type of deposit, we think it'll be relatively straightforward. You measure carbon in the rock at the beginning and you measure carbon over time, you know, as those tailings and so forth be, begin to soak up uh, that carbon. So, uh, in terms of where the market's going, the European Union is going full, you know, full barrel um, into that. They are going to price carbon out of their economy. Uh, that's their intent. You know, I think you're going to see that in other major economies. And so, um, you know, I, I think the horse is out of the gate. It's not coming back anytime soon. And, and you, you know, again, really need to jump, you know, <laughs> understand that this just isn't a bandwagon, that this is going to be a fad for a few years. You either need to design your business to succeed, you know, or you're going to get trampled. Okay, and he's, he regulates all of this. He says, actually, Mark, your project totally qualifies. I've got no problem with the fact that your normal run of course of business has this byproduct, and yep. that's fine by us, even though it's going to happen anyway. There's various standards that are emerging, mm. um, and because we're a little ways from reduction, I don't have the exact. I know there's several standards that are being um, implemented, and then, again, just um, you know, like a range of other types of auditing, you know, there'll be products that various consulting firms and so forth. And, and you know, there's a bunch of specialist firms that do that today that will, in, you know, they, they will say you're, you know, you have generated X thousand carbon credits this year based on standard A or standard B or standard C or all three standards um, that, you know, that somebody will say, okay, yes, you know, th those, those are trade, then become tradable credits. Right. And without sounding too glib about this one, you, you, you could not sell nickel and be reasonably successful based on some of the numbers you've given me. But you can't do that. No. But no. you could. The world needs a lot of nickel. It so does. based it on does. my trip to Korea last week, uh, way well, more let's, than let's, that's, what, that's my yeah. segue to let's talk nickel, because things are important. So the current credits thing, that, that's a kind of big wow moment. Um, actually, let me finish off on that yeah. one, which is, because um, you're a mining company, do you have to um, set up or create some kind of intermediary distribution or sales function? Is that, do you imagine being part of your company, separate from your company? Or would you just sell it in one big lump sum to someone else to carve up? Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, the analogy to use, well, <laughs> if we get to be a carbon credit mine with a nickel byproduct, then, you know, the, the values flip. But, you know, let's just say carbon credits are going to be byproduct for a while. You know, just like a mining company that can look to create a royalty or create streams on, the, on that carbon credit flow. Um, uh, there, there's a number of ways to monetize it. Again, you know, for us being potentially one of the you know sort of first new carbon capture things to market, uh, you know, we'll want to hold on to as much of that value, you know, and then be able to sort of bring it to the market as the market matures, as the market evolves, and make sure that we get fully valued over time, so that we don't cash it in up front right. and uh, you know but realize you can... we left ninety two percent of the value on the table. But as a mechanism, yeah, to as a, as a pre pre sales mechanism or pre purchase mechanism, but um, this is this could fund 
the work that you need to do to take it to a point which I, I expect you're going to be selling your, your nickel project. That's the expectation right. from the market. Yeah. I think that's a reasonable expectation. But should you want to go further? Oh, I, I think, again, you know, when you kind of do the, the math that we're talking about, you know, the, the value of those carbon streams going forward. And, and again, you know, those, you know, there's a lot of pickup initially, but they'll be still be continued to pick up for a very long time. I'm not quite sure what time frame um, you'll be able to, to get a stream to. But no, I, I you know, I think in terms of the, the equity portion of our capital cost, if we can get to the point where, you know, we get a substantial or if not all of that from the carbon streams, you know, that would be a know, hit it out of the park kind of scenario. So, And you can choose to reward your shareholders. Yes. Should you choose. Of which I am a substantial one. So. Yeah, you are. You are. Yeah. Okay, we, let's, let's go on to Nickel, because sure. Canada Nickel Corporation. Um, you've, you've been, uh, obviously, you, you, I think, what are you now, the fifth, well, fifth largest are we going with? Yeah, we would be the fifth, yeah, we're the fifth largest resource now globally, fifth or sixth. Globally, we're fifth, not Canada. Yeah, globally. globally, yeah, and we'd if we were fully ramped up today, we'd be the fifth largest nickel sulfide operation globally today. Okay, and that's important with low-grade, which is what you are, yep. low-grade nickel projects. You took a lot of stick initially, because I, I, I guess low-grade anything people rail against, so um, has that stopped, or do people still wonder about low-grade? No, I think with the big pivot that's happened in the last 12 months, somewhere in that time frame, you know, the automobile and, and EV, the EV industry, the, the supply chain that supplies the automobile companies <laughs> kind of woke up to the fact that, you know, given their plans to make X million cars and make X gigawatts worth of batteries, you know, we're talking about having to uh, you know, increase supply in North America just for North America, you know, by a factor of two, three, even four X you know, where we are today, you know, by the end of this decade, by early, early, early part of the ne next decade, this isn't, oh, we're, we need to go three or four X by 2050. You know, this is three or four X by, you know, 2030 something. Okay. And the other thing that people worry about in, in, your, in your case is the fact that this is possibly a $1 billion or $2 billion CapEx project. Yeah. But, but that's not really your problem, is it? Oh, no, not at all. And, and you know, the, the other part, too, when you look at the amount of, you know, to me, that's always been one of the great disconnects so far in the story is, you know, you know, the auto companies in North America have spent tens of billions of dollars retooling their automobile plants, you know, again, for cars that they hope to sell at some point in the future. But, you know, they're kind of counting on it, given the level of capital investment. They've now done a pile of joint venture deals with a bunch of, because it is Asian, uh, Korean, Japanese companies that are the precursor makers outside of China. They're spending tens of billions of dollars to build the capa battery capacity to supply those car makers. You know, what we haven't seen, <laughs> you know, are the tens of billions of dollars going into the capital investment to supply the raw materials that these plants need. So, you know, again, you know, in, in, the, in, in, the, in this realm of tens of billions of dollars, a billion is rounding error. Right. Okay. Um, Right, but 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 the point is, you're not the guy that needs to come up with a billion bucks, right? Is that what we're saying? Right. Oh no, there's. Right. I mean, okay. So, yeah. so no, no, I just want to make be clear with people where you take this project through to. So you have been traveling a lot of traveling recently. Mm -hmm. you did go to Korea. So um, you met a bunch of battery manufacturers. You met a lot of OEMs. They say to you, "What? Um, we we need all the nickel we can find." Tech yep. um, projects like yours are good. Why? The, the, the great thing about the large low grade is that 
they're scalable. You buy more trucks, you buy more milling equipment, you can make more nickel. It's, it's no more complicated uh, than that. And so, you know, we have the chart where we show where the fifth largest, you know, sulfide operation if we're fully ramped up. And the first comment out of their mouth is, you know, can you make it bigger? And the second comment is how quickly can you make it bigger? You know, right. that's, that's their mindset. I don't think investors in North America really understand the scale of what these guys are thinking. Just one other sort of real data point. Um, uh, five years ago in my past life, there's one of the Korean battery makers we had a, a number of dialogues with and I got to go to their plant. And, you know, if you imagine, you know, a, a piece of industrial land, you know, that's the size of this room and you're driving from one corner for about 10 minutes to get into the middle of it, you know, and there's like two tables in the middle of that, that big, you know, in that big room. And they said, oh yeah, in, in, in five years, uh, we'll have more than quadrupled production. They were producing, they were using about 8,000 tons of nickel at that time. And this entire industrial park will be filled. So went back five years later and literally they're filling in the last corner of that plant, that, that land package uh, with a battery recycling facility to, to, to recycle black mass, you know, back into, into nickel and cobalt. And they said, oh, by the way, we've bought a 50% larger land package 10 minutes away because that's our, our growth platform just for Korea. So it's, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's a whole other speed at which this whole industry is. Yeah, absolutely ramping up. And um, let's talk about the nickel market at the moment because yep. I want to always bring this back to investors, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so sounds exciting on the carbon credit side of things. Yep. And you've got, you're telling us you've got what these guys want, right? The scalability, multi-decade type, type projects. Yep. But um, for, for investors looking in at a company like yours, turbulent times at the moment, so yep. you're not immune to this. And also the nickel market has been a bit funky this last 12 months. Right? Yes. We, we've talked about it. We, we, we talk sort of regularly on a, on a, a battery show, yeah. um, regularly about what's happening in Indonesia and China, but the LME starred prominently this year as well. I mean, what's the kind of fallout of that been in terms of that erratic pricing um, and maybe people's views about whether the LME needs to reform? Yeah, oh no, it, it was, it was uh, you know, A, they, it was like watching two cars <laughs> driving towards each other, you know, at 100 miles an hour, sort of waving, and then boom, um, and the LME stopped trading. You had a, one group, Qingshan, with a massive short, uh, a bunch of hedge funds, you know, saw that nickel inventories were close to, you know, all-time lows on a weeks of consumption basis, and said, this is a no-brainer squeeze, and, and away they went. Um, so, a, the LME didn't, didn't do anything to sort of mitigate those cars from colliding. And then once they, the cars collided, they kind of said, oh, actually, well, they didn't collide. We're just going to cancel all the trades that happened, you know, within the last five or six hours. Right. And so... And now, um, now being sued. And now being sued by several hedge funds and some hedge funds who are pretty good at suing people. Um, you know, one of them took on the Argentinian government over bonds oh, yeah. that went into default. Yeah. So, you know, th these are not your sort of average, uh, you know. So can LME survive? Does it need to? I mean, does it perform a function? Because it's such an antiquated system, it seems, when looking from outside. The, the, the I guess we, we need we need a clearing mechanism, right? Huh. We need market, we need price discovery need that, that happens in the market on a continuous basis. Uh, the challenging part, and again, one of the you know one of the people you know one of the criticisms was you know China basically bailed out one of China's own, and and, and the LME is now controlled by a Chinese domiciled Hong Kong domiciled um, entity. The unfortunate part, you know, one of the main 
trading alternatives, and the one that actually has carried more volume in recent years is the Shanghai Futures Exchange. So that's not going to get rid of it, rid of your China issue. Comex has not seemed to want to step up and in trade um, some of the other base metals, but um, you know I, I think it's jump all um, given the technology platforms that are out there. Uh, I think a lot of traders are dissatisfied with the way the LME handled that that entire issue. So. Um, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting to see sort of, you know, how things happen in the next few years. But we do need a clear alternative to emerge. Otherwise, we'll just end up with Alame and Sheffy. And, and it was horrible. There was two weeks there where, again, people every day, like, you know, tr you know your business is, is, is based on, you know, that daily price. And you trade at a premium or discount. You buy stuff at a premium or discount to that price. And if that price just disappears for 10 days... You know, it, 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 it really caused a lot of people, you know, a lot of harm, you know, and, and if you're running a business, oftentimes you're naturally, you, you have a natural short um, as you run your business. And, and those guys got crushed, some of them. So, it, I mean, I don't like moments like that. I mean, that was an outlier, but I don't yeah. like market moments like that because those extremes, yes, bring attention, get people excited for a bit, but we can revert to the, the meanness at work. But yeah. a few people get damaged along the way. And I think in the long term for the industry, you know, people people looking from outside going, that's just that's really not acceptable behavior. Oh yeah, no, I'm mean, not going through those saloon doors, and you know, because I hear a lot of guns going off yeah. <laughs> in the Wild West bar. You know, I'll, <laughs> I'll take, I'll go, I'll you know, go to the next town. Okay, so. let's do. It. We, we we always do this when we, we meet up and say, what's going on in China and, and Indonesia, and do we need to worry? Um, about, well, I think China's mm -hmm. coming back online again, but um, do we need to worry about supply in the market from, from them and how they're affecting uh, the market at the moment? Yeah, the, the reality in the nickel spaces, you know, Indonesia is, you know, has been more than 100% of the growth since 2015. Mm. Uh, they, that is where the bulk of the growth will occur for the next five years. Uh, we need nickel to make stainless steel. We need nickel to make EV batteries. And for the time being, it has to come from those countries. Uh, you know, the, 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 the opportunity for everybody, you know, in, in the space, and again, I'm surprised, you know, how little activity has started occurring in the nickel space, because we, <laughs> we say we need, we need all of these projects, is, you know, Western automakers are not going to depend on Chinese-controlled supply in Indonesia. They're not going to depend on, you know, nickel that has a carbon footprint of 50 to 90 tons of CO2 per ton of nickel. Um, that's there. Again, just if they had to buy that nickel from um, China, and if you look at what the average CO2 footprint of an uh, internal combustion car is, it, it, it's a material, it would end up being like 20, 30% of the carbon footprint. So that's not what Elon Musk had in mind in terms of decarbonizing transportation. So um, it, it, we need to get it from there in the, in the time being, but there's a massive opportunity for nickel supply in the right areas. So I encourage everybody, go find more. Well, yeah, I think we, that you, you've said that long and hard, which is like we need all of the above. It's, it's, yep. not, it's not a competition with each other. It's, like, it's a competition to you know, get the supply into the market. Um, pricing will remain for you stable now? In terms of the nickel market? Yeah, because you've had a great game. The last 18 months have been great. Yep. Yeah, no, we, we've moved up into this sort of you know, $11 to $14 a pound right. range uh, recently. And... Yeah, I, I think, you know, again, the world economy, you know, is going to slow down. I think we will see a recession, you know, for, for part of it. Um, but, you know, inventories are very low. Supply is struggling. So that's going to help underpin the floor. And then on the top side, you know, we had more than 100% growth in nickel demand from the EV sector last year. Uh, as long as there's enough semiconductors to make the cars, um, you know, we should, by the end of this year, I think we'll see those kind of growth ramp back up to those growth rates 
uh, again, and you know we'll see three or four years of those kind of growth rates. So I think your downside is relatively limited from these levels, um, and you know who knows where the upside is going to go. That's the exciting part about these nickel super cycles. Okay, and so I haven't talked about all the drilling that you're doing in terms of continuing to expand the resource, and um, I haven't given you a chance to yeah. talk about that maybe another time, yeah. but um, what, what would you say to people looking at um, Canada Nickel Carbon Credits Corp? Yeah, sorry, we'll change the name next week. Um, no, fundamentally, you know, we think we are heading to one of these nickel super cycles. This is the largest sulfide discovery uh, since the 1970s. We're in a place where you can actually build a mine. There's lots of infrastructure. People in the area actually like mining and downstream processing. And, you know, we've got these magic rocks that spontaneously absorb CO2, um, to, you know, to be one of the, you know, hopefully one of the real net zero um, nickel producers globally. Good, man. Good to see you. Right. Thank you, sir. Cheers, bye. Good as always.